Welcome back to Bike Talk with Dave. This is episode number 11. I'm your host, Dave Mabel, and today I'd like to introduce you to Rory Mason. I worked with Rory a thousand years ago at Bike World in Des Moines, Iowa. While I went on to other things, but Rory stayed in cycling, and he found himself as the global director of sports marketing for Cannondale, living in Europe and helping pull together sponsorship programs for the Licky Gas Cannondale World Tour team. Working with legends of the sport like the Lion himself, Super Mario, Cipollini, Ivan Basso, and Peter Sagan. Amazing. Rory has moved back to the States and is now working in sales and marketing with Bianchi North America, riding his favorite colored bike, the immediately recognizable Celeste Green, or Verde Celeste. He's working on, uh, he is also working in sales and marketing for a cycling club clothing company, the Ride Biker Alliance. Ride Biker is cool because they make a user-friendly cycling club clothing program, which makes it easier for club leaders to focus on cycling, not that early spring clothing order that every club leader dreads. Ride Biker takes care of the hard part of designing and ordering great looking and functional kits so the clubs can focus on doing what they do best, riding bikes. Check it out at ridebikercustom.com. I know it works. Ride Biker has taken care of us at the Bike Iowa race team for the past five years, and we all love it. I hope you enjoy this conversation with a guy who literally has lived or is living the dream of probably 90% of the high school and college kids that earn their keep in the back rooms and sales floor of bike shops around the country. I'd like to introduce you to Rory Mason. <laughs> I'm going to start this way, Rory. Eh, buongiorno, come va? Buongiorno, molto belli. Good job, bravo. <laughs> that, that's all I know. That's all I know. That's good. Uh, Rory Mason, sales and marketing and sports marketing for yep. Bianchi USA. That's right. And a, uh, I'm going to describe you as a small town Iowa boy who got a job in the NBA of Europe, which is cycling so kind of like if dave stoller had gotten into the industry after the big uh little 500 <laughs> yes exactly like yes um you started in uh i'm super curious how first of all you're from northwest iowa small yeah, I grew town up in, grew up in lorenz and uh how'd you get into bikes uh good question uh i guess when we were living in spencer iowa i had a I think a junior high friend whose family was a Ragbri family, and he, I was at his house hanging out one day, saw this magazine, bicycling magazine. I still have that magazine. The cover's been torn off and taped together a million times, but uh, in that, here's the crazy thing, in that magazine was a, a great ad for this mint green colored bicycle, and I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I, I, I gravitated towards that, found out it was Italian, ended up buying a Bianchi from Bar Bicycle, eventually, um, and just kind of took off from there. You know, I remember the first bike I bought uh, was a Raleigh Olympian from uh, Michaels in Ames. Uh, it was a two-hour drive home, and, uh, you know, they had to take the front wheel off to get it in my mom's car, and 
we got home and we panicked. I had no idea how to put that back on. It was the <laughs> craziest, awesome. craziest thought ever. Now I build all of my bikes. So. Yeah, can you put a front <laughs> wheel on? Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Quickly Regardless too. of the quickly, skewer? Quickly as well. <laughs> <laughs> I bet quickly. Um, uh, you went to school in Ames. I was the Michael Cyclery was the uh, thing yep. there. Did you interact at all with the Skunk River guys? I mean, there's some, back so, in the day, there were some legends that came through. Yeah, there were. Um, you know, I, you know, cycling was still kind of that, you know, I was the one guy in, in Lorenz that rode. Moving to Iowa State, I thought, yeah, this is going to be awesome. But, you know, I was the one guy in my fraternity that rode for the most part. Um, you know, and it was still kind of, it was not the cool thing. Mountain bikes happened at that point, became the cool thing. Everybody ended up buying their first steel specialized or whatever it was at the time. Um, Ross? Yeah, I think I had a Bianchi. My first mountain bike was uh, specialized, followed up by a Bianchi. So, um, you know, I put on a, a mountain bike race in Ames during college as part of, I don't even remember what, but, you know, it still wasn't that big of a scene. I think I did a crit or two, the Iowa State crit. Wasn't that big of a scene, but at the same time, I started working uh, evenings and then summers uh, a little bit at Bike World. Uh, funny enough, they didn't want me at Bike World Ames, so I ended up coming down and working. Uh, I, I actually rode from Ames down and, and helped close the store over on, uh, on Merle Hay. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Is a yeah long that, time that's where ago, our paths right? began to yeah, cross because right, I right. closed that store down as well. Yep, yep. Uh. So, but yeah, in college, it wasn't, you know, I, I, I dabbled in racing. I, I've never, I've always dabbled. I've never had uh, much success or Shave your climbed legs. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right, yeah. all right. Do you still? On occasion. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason I still have a license in race is so, so I can, can shave, shave my legs. legs. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, only yeah. reason I shaved the legs was. Uh, was uh, because in the crits that I did in Connecticut, I would uh, I would slide across the pavements a, well, that's, a little that's, easier. That is the answer as right? to why we shave our legs exactly. for those slides across the pavement. I should say we are actually meeting in Bike World in West Des Moines, Iowa, which yep. is where both Rory and I, I did not begin my cycling. I worked at Bar Bike. That was yep. my first, uh, first job, first job ever but uh, first bike shop job, and then ended up at Bike World through college, and then in the 2000, 2008-9-10, somewhere in there, I worked at Bike World again. Hmm. Uh, so we are at, uh, at Bike World taping this, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I just had a nice conversation with Forrest, uh, who, who I always joke, uh, I, I blame him for, for getting me started. <laughs> he has we, a uh, lot to do with me getting started so, as well, for sure. So really, I was working at the Merle Hay store, and I think I, I, one evening I, I stayed around for a clinic on Cannondales, and Bill Martin was the rep out of Colorado, and he pulled me inside and said, hey, you know, this territory is going to get split. Are you interested? I don't know why he grabbed me, but I, maybe I was bugging him. But uh, I also had talked with Peter Lugers out of Minneapolis, who's an independent rep, great, another great guy, and uh, and he he taught me kind of what it was to be a rep. And uh, I interviewed. I had there were two sales, national sales managers. One said, "No way, we can't hire this kid." And the other one's like, "Nah, he's he's good. He seems seems clever enough. He'll figure it out." So. I was at Cannondale for 20 years. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it must have worked because uh, yeah. you ended up going to Cannondale. Yeah. Uh, and going overseas with Cannondale. Yeah. So uh, I, I was a sales rep. I had this, the, almost the same territory for eight years. Um, flew back for some meetings in Connecticut, and they're like, hey, we need somebody to kind of relaunch this website. Early days of the internet. So in 2000, 
uh, we moved to Connecticut. Uh, I was there for four years doing the internet website, B2B sites, all that stuff. And um, uh, sitting next to the head of marketing, who was a Swiss guy named Beppo, and we spoke Italian back and forth. How did you long. learn Italian? Um, I guess uh, senior year of Iowa State, I came home for Christmas and said, Mom, Dad, I took out a loan. I'm going to Italy in two weeks. Oh, wow. For the semester. So that's what I did. I went and learned it. I lived in Florence and studied Italian. I had a good ear for it because, you know, I sang in high school and college, and they always taught us how to read and pronounce different languages. So I picked it up pretty easily, um, and that kind of got the ball rolling. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So how'd you end up over in Italy? You were with the... Just that. I, uh, I was through Iowa State, had a program through Drake, I guess, and, uh, and, uh, and, and studied there. Oh, in terms of moving over to Europe, never ended up living in Italy outside of that semester. Really? Uh, they had a marketing office in Switzerland, and this Beppo guy said, hey, we have an opening. How, when I was a rep, I should backtrack, when I was a rep, anytime the Seiko team would come over, they would send me because I knew the language, could help out, what have you. So I got to know Claudio Corti, the team manager, a lot of the racers. Um, uh, and eventually, when I got inside, they're like, hey, why don't you go move to Switzerland and manage this relationship with us? And that was in uh, 2004, 2005. Um, towards the end of the Seiko years, we did a year with Lamprey Cafita. And then... Uh, <sighs> That's when I was kind of put in charge of it because, you know, we didn't have a world tour or a pro tour team, and now I had to go find that team. And we stayed with Claudio Corti for, for two years at Team Barla World, but the second year that was really, you know, after one year of not being in the world tour at the Tour de France, we were like, hey, we really have to get back in. Anytime a sponsor leaves, it costs a lot more money and effort to get back in. So uh, I, was, I was desperate. You know, we thought we had a deal with uh, Quickstep, and uh, they sent a fax over at the last minute and said, nope, we're signing with Specialized. Ouch. And that was, you know, I had driven all the way from Switzerland to Holland to our corporate offices. Um, and then, you know, on, <laughs> when he didn't show up, the, the, the CEO at the time looks at me and said, you look like hell. Because I had been flying all around the world, literally trying to meet with teams and managers, trying to find a team. And, uh, you know, there's not that many seats at the table. So I had to call all my industry contacts, um, you know, on the drive home. And you know, CEO said, go home, rest up, you know, we'll, we'll figure this out. So I, I'm desperately calling all my contacts. Hey, what's going on? Who's open? Who can I talk to? Finally, I don't know if it was FSA or Campagnolo, they're like, hey, what? Roberto Amadio, you know, he's talking, he's down the road with Specialized, but you might have an, you might have an opening there. So on this same 10, nine hour drive home, I'm like, I, I get a hold of this guy. Hey, you know, you could be Specialized third or you could be our first and, and priority. So a couple days later, um, the, the head of Europe and I are in their offices in Milan and we're putting together an agreement and there are faxes coming over during this meeting from I, our friend in California at the time saying, hey, name your price. You know, he's trying to block Cannondale from, from getting into the liquid gas, which turned out to be a great relationship. You know, we went from 2007 until I think uh, 12 or 13 was the year that liquid gas backed out. And 
Cannondale bought the agency or the paying agent, and then it had Team Cannondale for a couple of years, and then they, I think they got rid of that to Vauders, and now it's uh, Education yes. First. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Wow. So that was, you know, that was that was really that that liquid gas relationship to me was kind of the, the the high point of what I had accomplished. But, you know, then the company uh, go, files for bankruptcy, gets purchased, and then things change inside, and uh, all of a sudden I'm I'm climbing this this ladder that I didn't necessarily tend to to climb and intend to climb. So I was director of global sports marketing for. Cannondale, GT Schwinn, Mongoose, you know, I'm dealing with like the mountain, the, uh, the, yeah, the, 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 what was that called? The, the extreme sports, the do tour sponsorship. Oh, so yeah, Mongoose yeah, yeah. and BMX riders and GT, stuff that I, you know, yeah, it's, right. it, it's all the same sport, different disciplines, but your passion is in one place. On the road, your passion's on yeah, the road. On the road and cross country mountain. I had, uh, you know, had a good relationship with, uh, you know, winding down the Siemens mobile team. Um, we started a Vredestein Cannondale team, and then we launched Cannondale Factory Racing, which still exists today. So I kind of promoted the guy that's that's still managing that team today, and, you know, they do a great job still. Um, you know, I was the, I would be the guy that ultimately signed off on things like the Cyclocross World Project, which just, just finished. Uh, you know, and budgeted for that kind of stuff, and did the sponsorship agreements. So, but yeah, your your passion's in a certain. Well, I phase. know yours is. And I uh, think, and I think Celeste. it was. Yeah, well, yeah, and I think it was fairly obvious when I was there what my passion was, and eventually uh, they're like, ah, we need we need we need a more senior person, or I don't know, I don't know what they wanted, but uh, yeah, um, now with Bianchi, very happily. Uh, got some friend, working with some old friends from Cannondale at Bianchi again, which is great. Um, but yeah, it's uh, kind of feels like the old days at Cannondale. It's a smaller company where you can wear a lot of different hats, yeah. contribute where you can contribute. You know, I'm helping with with design and uh, internet and um, uh, contracting and negotiations. And everything. Everything I can do yeah. is you're you know when you really believe in what you're doing and who you're doing it for it's 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 easy to chip in you have been around some legends you got a smile on your face yeah, right there yeah. i wish this was on video <laughs> you you have been around some legends in the sport yeah that a dude in in iowa in the u.s would be envious of who are some of the people you've met over your years well, in terms of who I've met, that's a that's a huge list. Who I've actually kind of worked with really is, to me, more interesting. Um, you know, Mario Cipollini. I was a huge fan of Cipollini. I ended up working with him. Um, uh, 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 what's that like to go from fanboy to working with? He was a big personality. Is a big still personality. Still is. Still is. Is a big yeah. personality. Just heard from him a few weeks back. Um, nice. Chippo's the most unique guy that I've met, no question, in terms of big personalities and, you know, what he, there's there's few riders, few cyclists that have kind of transcended our sport. You, we heard that about, a lot about Lance, right? For sure. So, in my mind, I look at Italy and, you know, Cipollini and Marco Pantani, who I never met, which I'm glad I never met because he was, he was it. Um, but, you know, you know, I just, 
talk about Francesca Mosier. Uh, yeah, you know, Cerrone. I, I talk about of... chipping in where I can. I also had to do the the history and the race history presentation for Bianchi. You know, Fausto Coppi was that way for for Italy as well. So, but to me, Cipollini was that way. And then another rider I worked with was that, that's done similar is Peter Sagan. Oh, for sure. Um, he he turned pro with liquid gas and. I was the one that put him on, you know, helped him get, he had, still wanted to race his mountain bike and had fun, so we put him on CFR for a year. He wanted to race at the Olympics and qualify and do some World Cup stuff, and it, it later worked out that he did that with, uh, with Specialized, but uh, no, P Peter was with us for the first three or four years, uh, yeah, God, I'm trying to think back, nine to 13, yeah, four years. Four, I feel like I just watched the... Uh... 2014 Perry Roubaix and Sagan was on a Cannondale and took a flyer. He went for it. Yeah, with 20k so to go the, maybe. The the, the 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 bittersweet part of this is that Cipollini had his biggest success after he left us. Oh, he he won his San Remo. He won his World Championship. Peter won his monuments elsewhere. After. Yeah, but. I guess that's fine. We had we had a lot of success with the Grand Tours. Ivan Basso, Vincenzo Nibali, I worked closely with. Um, Grand Tour winners there. Uh, those are the those are the bigger names that I've worked with uh, on the road side of things. Yeah, but in terms of who I've met, you know, I have met a lot of my childhood heroes. Gianni Bugno, I've had dinner with Moreno Argentine. You know, th those were those were my guys. Did I see? And, and I may be wrong. I'm going back in my memory. Uh, Ernesto Colnago? Um, I have bumped into Ernesto. I do not know Ernesto very well. Um, I don't know why I'm... Did you post something, a picture with him? Um, probably a friend of That's mine That's 57-year-old fog I, I is what did, that I is did, in my uh, head. I did a couple of guest stints with, it's funny, uh, with the UAE Emirates team, which is kind of connect, more than connected with Colnago, but... Uh, um, yeah, I did some guest stints as the uh, Zio um, over in Italy. So the teams have, uh, there's all, there always seems to be some some older, typically overweight guy that's kind of just hanging out. And I'm like, who is this? And uh, he's the uncle. <laughs> you know, he's the, yeah, I don't know if he's your local fixer or he's just the guy that goes and does whatever they need done. And a DS or a coach or a manager doesn't want to go do that. So I was the guy helping them. I guess I guess one of my one of my rules to ingratiate myself, other than the language, which will open my my big piece of advice: learn another language, go maybe live elsewhere that you're not comfortable. It will open doors for you. The language definitely does. But the other thing was, in my position, was not always just to go straight to the team manager or the DS. I would try to make sure that the mechanics were good, and that the masseurs were good, and help in. Help out when I could, you know, whether, whether that meant washing the car or vacuuming the car. After every stage, that gets done. Yeah, it's you make so their, much work. Make their day easy. Give, give an hour's worth of your time and make sure that, you know, you can help somebody that you're, you're probably going to ask a favor of eventually. Right. That's you know? great advice. Yeah. Great advice. Don't bite the hand that feeds you. Take care of the hand that feeds you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, do you have a favorite race? Yeah, the Why? best 15 minutes in all of cycling. The final 15k. Yeah, that climb up the Poggio and down. Uh, it was the first race I'd ever been to. I went in. Uh, God, was it 92? Yeah, 92. I went and saw Sean Kelly win. 
nice. beat my hero, Argentine. Um, but San Remo is just the best. Uh, aside from that, Roubaix is amazing. And then you, I love the Giro. The Giro is just amazing. Is it just exhausting? Um, so, so here's how exhausting it is. The director sportives that do the, that do the Tour de France, uh, at least our director sportives, would take about a, a month away from driving the car afterwards. It's, it's that nerve-wracking and exhausting. I've driven across the U.S. at night in snow. Yeah, and similar. You're just, yeah, you're, you're always just on. exhausted. I've driven some... Before the UCI cracked down on things and put rules in place, I'd actually driven team cars in the Tour of California, Missouri. I've driven in Philadelphia. I've driven, I've driven in a time trial at the Giro. Um, I think I've driven in South Africa when we were with Barla World. Um, but yeah, driving a team car is pretty exhilarating. I've, I've been that guy, I hate to admit it, I've broken the rules. I've been the guy after a crash trying to get his guy back to the group. Oh, right. And you, Maybe he, let him sit on a little bit. Uh, he was doing more than sitting on. All but, right, yeah, all right. I've done some sticky bottles in, yeah. in my day. <laughs> um, we won't go into that any further. No, Although that's your right. time is that's passed right. there, your time is yeah. passed. What's the uh, statute of limitations? Seven I years have no on idea. Uh, I have no bottles. idea. <laughs> I'm not trying to drive anymore, so not in a race. Well, I have a question. You've been around in the world of racing and cycling for 30 years. How, has, how have you seen racing change over the past 30 years? Uh, it turned into, it's not the sport that I really was, it wasn't that, how do you say it? It was, it was a different sport when we didn't know what riders ate for breakfast every day on social media or when you turn on the TV to watch the tour and you have a choice of channels or whatever. And, the first thing they tell you is what's in the musette bag, even though I've done those videos. Um, Inquiring it, minds it, want yeah, to know. Yeah, but it was a different beast when it was mysterious. We've lost a lot of the mystery, and I don't know. It, it, it's a little too close at hand now. I, I kind of feel the same. You almost feel like you know the riders personally because of which is great social too. media. Which is great, it's too. Interesting. It's, it's super just, interesting. Yeah, I'm a, but I'm that, when you I'm would, a crusty old guy. When you would covet yeah a two-hour yeah. coverage of the tour de france on saturday afternoon and that's all you got and that was two hours a whole week slammed I, into I two hours i remember calling a phone number front that i got from the back of velo news to get the results same day right mm, which was high tech right um yeah the mystery seems gone a bit which i guess uh, that's not just cycling either we're for sure we have so much information now but um other than that, you know, the Lance effect was real. It was good for business. It was good. My business was selling sponsors, uh, buying and selling sponsorships for a while. So the way that worked was uh, we would spend, let's say, at, the, at that point in time, $2 million for the rights of Liquid Gas's team bike. So what I would do is work with our OEM suppliers, let's say Shimano, SRAM, Campagnolo, Mavic, whoever that we're that are that we're buying their parts to put on our bikes to sell at retail so i would negotiate and play one off of the other and you would try to get as much money back selling the rights to the tires for the team or whatever it may be so when you had it, what was interesting is when you had a peter sagan you would pay more for those rights because it was a valuable right but then you'd also be able to charge more 
for those subcategories. So that was an interesting sport in itself, you know, that most people don't really have visibility of. Um, you know, most people, the extent of what they see is, oh, the riders ride and talk nice about what they're paid to ride. But right. there's some more behind that. You leverage, you know, they want to not only sponsor the bike that Peter Sagan's riding, but they also expect a certain amount of additional business from you. So it's a, it's a real beautiful dance. Um, so the Lance effect was good for that business. Uh, it was good, but it was also bad. Oh, uh, for sure. After because, 2013. Well, I was working with Italian teams, and you'd open up, you know, an English-speaking magazine, and or you know, you start looking on social media or on the TV, and you know, Italians bad, Americans good. Italians dirty, Americans clean, and we all saw what you know. Those were the naughties. Huh. Interesting. The 90s were the naughties for a reason. Um, you know, the doping thing. I didn't have. I saw absolutely nothing, as I would, you know, as a sponsor. You would never, you know, I ingratiated myself to the point where they considered me a, a part of the team, and I always loved that, but not so inside that if something was present that they would openly discuss with me. Or you never walked me. into a hotel I never walked into with... a weird situation and saw something I shouldn't have. Huh. Um, we, you know, we had riders that got popped for something and had an funny excuse like Jibo Simone sure friend of mine uh, with the the caramels and the cocaine and whatever it might have been at the time um, but no I didn't see things uh, I didn't see weird doctors that are now banned for life I didn't you know there, there were there was always some kind of dust up with oh this writer was seen training in a black jersey and oh that must mean that he's doing this or that working with so and so right working with my, you know, a question I keep asking myself is, how do I trust what I it's see these tough. days? It's tough. Because like some of our writers would then go on and have bigger success elsewhere, a lot of our writers went on and got busted with clamorous results. You know, Danilo De Luca getting busted twice after he left. You know, I, he didn't leave. Uh, he was, I think, allowed to leave. And then had some great, weird successes and paid, his, paid a pretty steep price for it you know it's that was a weird time yeah yeah well, I it was like it, it tested your ability to remain a fan of a sport that you love does it not still yeah it's you know there's always going to be suspicions not, well here's here's something new i'll throw in i'm a bit of a fan of the history of italian cycling too and european racing you know back to the teens and 20s and you know, there was there was doping allega allegations back then. For there sure, was, there was all kinds. Of, it's always been here. I think it'll always be here. It's a you put up a finish line, and there's going to be somebody who's going to cheat to get there. If there, yep. It's and human if there's nature. dollar bills involved, even it, more even so. worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Um, you're a fan of bikes. Yeah. The beauty, the art. It's the greatest machine of ever made. Bikes. Yeah. Do you have some favorites? Of my own, I have a little bit of a collection. You yeah. do have a collection. Yeah. I want to ask you about your collection, and then I want to ask you about if you could add one thing to that collection. But tell me about your collection. I have an Italian road bike for every decade at least, going back to 1919. Oh, wow! So what I That's got into? A collection. That's yeah. A museum. When I when I got into it, I was interested in pre derailleur bikes, mm -hmm. so things like flip flop hubs 
Um, something in the rear must change. Yes, something in the back must change. So, uh, Cambio Corsa was my first one, which was, uh, it's a two levers on the, the seat lever, tube. Yep. The first one opens the quick release of the rear wheel, of the rear hub. The second one, you back pedal and use the second one as a fork to move your chain as you're back pedaling. And then you close the first one again. And what happens is the, 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 the rear hub slides forward or backwards to tension the chain as you change the gear. It's really quite crazy if you haven't seen it before. That's rather a Campagnolo. Than, That's rather a Campagnolo. than have a spring. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. So, so there's that. There's How did you get that? How do you end uh, up with a bike like In Italy, that? that stuff, I mean... That's in garage sales? That's in... They, I mean, have, you... they, no, they have vintage bike markets that oh. set up all around the country. And then there are things like La Roica, which I've done a few times in Italy. They, I'm now friends with a number of these vendors that go every weekend to these vintage rides slash races and sell this stuff. 1940s. 1950s, all, 1920s. All of it. All yeah. of it. So, and then I have a Victoria Margarita shifter, a Perry Roubaix shifter, and then you go it into the, you know, the, the 50s and 60s with derailers. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. What's your favorite bike to ride? Uh, so my, it, it, it's because my favorite racer in history is Costante Girardengo. He was the first campionissimo before Fausto Coppi in the teen, in post-World War I. Um, he won everything. Um, and I have a Mino Model G, and the G stands for Girardengo. And it's a, it's a Mino. Uh, it's uh, wooden rims, uh, and it's a flip-flop hub, and it's a cool bike to ride. I've, yeah. And you ride it. Yeah. It's not just yeah, hanging yeah. on the wall. If I, wanted to add, if I was to add a bike... There's a uh, Bianchi, what is it, uh, Model M, I believe, from like the 20s, 30s. Yeah, there are some, there's some Bianchis that are pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And gorgeous. Gorgeous. They're yeah. all gorgeous. Yep, yep. yep. Um, going to today, bikes used to be built in hand-built, hand-crafted, yeah. hand-filed. Yep. Still are. Hand-sized. In some places, still are. Tell me the difference in a Bianchi from every other bike in the world today. Today's Bianchis? Today's. Um, so Bianchi has, has this history and heritage that backs it up, but it goes into an understanding within the culture of the company in terms of how, and, and that gets translated in the engineers and the, you know, the geometries, the tubing. They have amazing test standards. Um, but there's a certain soul to it, I think, that, uh, that whether or not you can feel it, I think, uh, I think when you look at that color underneath you and uh, you understand where it comes from and some of what's behind it, I think, it's a, I think, I think it, adds, it adds value, but also I think it, the product itself is just top notch. Celeste gives you wings. Celeste. Celeste. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see. Uh, je suis. Je suis uh, that's French. Italy. I know. I that's only the know only enough, one. That's the only romantic French. language I know. I only know, know enough French to get around the Tour de France. I don't even know enough to do that. <laughs> um, uh, say that again, just for me. Well, Celeste. 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 I will remember that. I actually have a, a piece of a Blackburn rack that I got at the Chicago bicycle dealers show in 1989 and they had a rack that was 
Celeste. Yeah. We still have that, that color. piece of rack. That color I mean, is, is... You know, pre-war, it was kind of a lighter blue. Uh, there are three th main theories as to how they got that color, and I'm a strong proponent of, you know, post-war. The factory had been bombed. Bianchi had supplied the army with vehicles. They were making cars and tanks and motorcycles and stuff at the time. And the and the the in the World War One they were making bicycle folding the first mountain bike. Let's face it, for the uh, Bersaglieri, who fought in the mountains with bicycle oh, folding wow. bikes strapped to their back. Wow. Yeah, they, they actually had an accessory attachment that would steady your your gun on the on the bike. Wow. Yeah. So you could shoot while riding? Oh uh, no, you were off the bike using stepping on this thing oh, that would got steady it. your gun. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Wow. Um, but I, my my theory is that. Post-war, the, the, the country owed the company uh, a lot of money, but didn't have a lot of money to pay. And I think there was probably a surplus of olive green that they then mixed with some of the blue and got the celeste. Wow. Yeah. But, you know, that, that color represents so much. It's just a strong racing heritage. You know, the bikes of today were developed under a very successful racing program with Jumbo Visma. A lot of success recently for that brand even. Yeah, yeah. for sure. You get to go on a bike ride anywhere in the world with anyone in the world. Where do you go and with whom? Anybody alive or dead? Anyone. Anyone? Yeah. Um, I'm riding, if I had to do it right now, I would ride the, the white roads in Tuscany where Leroica happens. And who would I ride it with? Boy, that's a heck of a question. I'd throw a, pull a name out of a hat, Marco Pantani. Oh, wow. Even He's though you never met him. Never met him. He probably never rode too much on gravel, but uh, that's, that would be interesting. Yeah, that would be. Speaking of gravel, what uh, I feel like post-Lance, post-2013, yeah. um, kind of the wheels fell off of the road uh, frenzy here in the U.S. anyway. Uh, the wheels Our didn't, hero is... The wheels didn't fall off, but it, it's definitely... You got a flat tire. Yeah, maybe. Seemingly. Yeah. Um, gravel gravel's seems the hot to, thing. Gravel's the hot thing. Yep. Do you, does road cycling make its way back here, or do we just build our future? Do we build our, so our personality? We, do we build our character on our, gravel here? I think our perspective in Iowa is different, may, mainly based on how much gravel we have. The rest of the country does not necessarily view gravel to the same extent that we do. We have so much gravel here and we have a willing public that, that really wants to explore that because it is safer. There are fewer cars. You see the rooster tail of dust coming. I love riding gravel at night because you see their headlights from miles away. Um, but, you know, I think road is still very strong in other parts of the country. Um, gravel is, is growing but it's still not—it's still not a huge thing. I think it's just the bike that people should have been buying all along. To be it's honest, the all-purpose bike. It is. It's the all-road bike. Yeah. 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 Whether Any. that whether I, you know it's similar to mountain bikes back when we were you and I were selling mountain bikes is like how many of those never saw dirt or ended up hanging in, off a hook in a garage. How many of these gravel bikes are are actually hitting hard gravel? Probably not as much as we think, but. It's probably a better bike for these people. It's more They're comfortable, comfortable ride. Yeah. Well, Rory, where uh, where does cycling go from here? 
This is your crystal ball into the future. Uh, I think so. I you think have this... a self-interest, for sure. You've got Bianchi yeah, on got your Bianchi, chest there. And I, I've, I've been known to make some custom clothing for some You do make some clubs, custom yeah. clothing. Um, I think the supply chain issues, and then you add inflation on top of that, is going to make for a challenging couple of years in the business from a retail standpoint. Um, it's not easy. I have high amount of respect for shop owners. Um, it's, it's, it's much like what I did. It's, it's a lot of people's passion. Uh, it's, it's a great way to make a living when you don't feel like you're working. You know, uh, I, I look at bikes all day long and uh, it's, it doesn't feel like work, you know, um, and helping people make a living doing something they love so much is also rewarding. But I think it's going to be it's going to be tough. You know, we haven't seen road bikes or, you know, 105 and up, which is funny that we say 105 and up because that is one group set by one manufacturer for a certain discipline. But it's true. Um, and we all know what you mean when you say for 105 sure, and up. Right? right. And, and you know, a lot of a lot of cities are closed are, are closing down over there where a lot of the stuff is made again. So that's not going to that's not going to make things easier on the supply side. Uh, the price of fuel is is affecting the price of entry level hybrids even. And we see it all around. It's just been a real interesting time to be in this industry to see these changes. And then, you know, there are other things happening within this industry. They're making it not so easy to, 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 to stick at it from a supplier standpoint. There's, there's a lot of consolidation going on. What do you think of the future of independent bike shops? The independent bike shop owner and worker brings such a unique and individual, you know, you walk into every bike shop and you can feel what that owner is into and what, he, what they've made it. That's you know that's the other thing that 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 the independent shops do is they they're in their community they support the community not every community with a bike shop is Des Moines Iowa you know there's there's uh, there's a lot of little towns out there that have great little shops and they're worth visiting they're worth stopping and and uh, and, and 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 spending your money with and they each kind of carry with, their own character and history absolutely but with your dollars they're uh, you know, support those around you that are supporting what you enjoy doing. Awesome. Well, hey, how does uh, somebody follow you, Bianchi? Bianchi North America, um, Twitter, Facebook, Insta, you know, uh, myself, I'm not that active anymore. I'm so busy. <laughs> your dad. Your yeah, dad. right. So uh, I don't get to ride as much as I would, let alone sit and scroll through social media. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> Well, listen, I really appreciate you spending some time awesome. chatting with us. Me and too. Uh, Me too. Wish you the best of luck as Thank we you. head into summer. You too. Thank you. Peace, brother. You bet. Well, there you go. Life on the inside of the world of pro cycling as seen through the eyes of a guy from a small town in northwest Iowa. If you'd like to wear the wings of a Celeste Green or there, the Celeste Bianchi. Check out the gorgeous line of road, mountain, cross, and gravel bikes at Bianchi.com. 
and you can follow them on Instagram at Bianchi North America. And if your club needs custom gear, contact Rory at ridebikercustom.com. Thanks tons for listening today. And if you're like me, you'll start practicing your Italian. You never know where it could lead you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and continue to tune in. If you love the show, please rate and review on your favorite platform. If you'd like to support the show, look for Bike Talk with Dave at buymeacoffee.com. I'll put a link in the notes. And finally, if you have any ideas of someone you'd like to hear from, message me on Instagram at dmable122. Thanks again for listening. I hope you have a great week. Grazie mille.